Uh, so I've been, I've been a little bit sad the last few days, which if you've been around with this for a while, this is not a setup for a joke this time. Um, I, I'm actually kind of serious here. I've been sad for a few days um, because one of my very favorite preachers um, who I've been tracking with for over two decades, uh, this was someone who ministered the word to me uh, from afar for over two decades. Uh, just this past week, he kind of made a, a fairly public uh, and kind of an ugly descent um, into um, being fired from the position um, and probably um, should have been. Apparently, the gist of what happened um, was a celebrity following that kind of hid this authoritarian culture of fear and secrecy and mismanagement just by force of sort of popular uh, personality. Um, That stuff um, was kept hidden in the organization. Uh, and so there was a, a pretty serious disconnect between the, the public persona and the private man. And I've been thinking about that all week and, and, and praying for this message and thinking about um, this message for myself. And uh, I made an observation in, 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 in having the word open and in thinking about this man that I respected who, um, who ministered the word to me for um, about every two to three days for, for 20 years. Um, and I want to make an observation on that that's helpful for us as we consider Jesus' warnings to us about prayer and fasting in Matthew 6. We'll get to the observation in just a second, but I want to set the tone by looking at what Jesus says in Matthew 6, starting at verse 1. If you've got your Bibles open, we'll have you jump back to verse 1 there. We'll put it on screen for you here. Listen to what Jesus says. Sets the tone for the whole passage here. He says, beware of practicing. Beware. It's a warning. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Jesus points out here the importance of maintaining integrity in the relationship between the private and the public us. He basically says here, don't be a hypocrite in how you live out your relationship with God. Which wasn't just a thing then, it's a thing for us now. And here's the observation I made this week. I've been in ministry um, basically ever since college Uh, And here's something that I found to be true of myself during these last 23 years. Um, I am most tempted to be a hypocrite and to fake it when the public demands of my calling exceed my personal power to meet them. I am most tempted to, to fake it, to be a hypocrite when the public demands of my calling as a pastor exceed my personal power to meet those demands. Which means, when you really think about it, I am always tempted to be a hypocrite. I'm always tempted to be a hypocrite. Think about it for yourselves. We are tempted to fake it, to put on a good show in front of others when the public demands and the responsibilities of life, which if you're an adult and you're half alive, are enough to be overwhelming, we are tempted to fake it and to put on a good show in front of others when the public demands and the responsibilities of life exceed our personal power to meet those demands. It's true in all areas of our life. The press of life demands, and I mean this, literally more than any human can give by their own power. And so we are tempted to fake our way through it. We've all heard fake it till you make it, right? We've all heard fake it till... I'm the one holding up my hand, of course. 
And this happens in all areas of our lives. In school, it becomes tempting. It becomes tempting to talk like you're tracking, right? Like, I'm following, I know what's going on, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because you just use the lingo, right? If you just use the lingo, if you understand vocabulary, you can talk a good game when actually internally, the whole time you're thinking, I am lost in AP calculus as a senior at Finneytown High School. I am lost. It took me three weeks um, to finally come down from AP to what I should have been in the first time. But, but, but I was keeping up this facade as if I deserved to be an AP calculus. I have no business being an AP calculus as a senior in Finneytown High School in 1990. Happens in all areas of our lives. In our jobs, it becomes tempting to cut corners and to paint the picture so it looks like you have competency beyond what you really do, which is functionally how many people fake it till they make it, right? Like it, it sort of works. So the temptation is to be something other than who you really are and what's really going on. When our relationships begin to feel like they bear, and this is true, listen friends, in all relationships, if we're being honest, when our relationships begin to feel with a certain closeness and intimacy, as if they bear sort of a messianic weight to them, it becomes tempting just to play the game of, of satisfying someone by just saying or doing what, what we think they want to hear so that we don't have to deal with the real issues at hand. If you're half aware and you're an adult, just the pressures of normal, everyday life tempt us to put on a good show and tell the story with the sort of slant that puts us in a good light or that satisfies someone else's expectations, or, or, or that silences the uncomfortable questions. And in those moments, in that question, in that tension between public expectation and personal capacity, that should be the trigger for us. That should be a call for us to depend on lo- the Lord. That should be the tension that is a trigger for us to pray and to fast. And that's what those practices do for us. They help us develop a deep and abiding relationship with God that is in your normal everyday life the real power to stand. And that's why Jesus warns us here against hypocritical prayer and fasting in Matthew 6. Jump in with this, starting at verse 5. We've got a lot to say about the first three words, and we'll take our time there at the beginning in uh, Matthew 6, verse 5, and then we'll pick up the pace a little bit. It says this, starting in verse 5, three words, two things to say about them. When you pray, when you pray, stop there, press, pause, hunker down, two things to say. The first is this. Uh, we're going to answer this question, what is prayer? For our purposes today, we are going with a definition of prayer that fits with what we believe is the overarching trajectory of Scripture. It fits with who we are as a church, and it fits with where we're headed today in the sermon. And the definition, definition is this. Prayer is talking to God. Prayer is talking to God in a way that shapes us for mission. Prayer is talking to God in a way that shapes us for mission. We could talk about prayer a, a number of different ways. 
Uh, but we're going to try to prove the point a little bit here that this is about the mission of God and his glory far more than we initially think it is when it comes to this idea of prayer. If you've been with us at FCC for a little while, you've probably heard me say uh, more than a few times that at FCC we interpret the scriptures through this grid of God's mission for his own glory. That's how we interpret the scriptures. Psalm 130, for example, when it comes to prayer, Psalm 130 speaks of prayer as waiting for God, for his purposes. Psalm 130 talks about waiting for God. Acts 4 talks about the early believers, the early church praying for boldness. That's about his mission at the beginning of that chapter. At the end of the chapter, Acts 4, the early believers needed God to give them boldness because they were on a mission. It was the purpose of their prayer. Would that we had the same kind of purpose for our prayers. In Colossians 1, Paul prays for the believers there to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Why? For the purpose of filling the earth with the knowledge of God's will. That's a mission of God's glory. Tons of passages speak of being alert or watchful so that we can have our eyes open to see where God is working and to join that place. Tons of passages speak of praying uh, to heal. But listen, here's the mission. Primarily as a demonstration of God's glory and only secondarily as a relief from suffering that is the byproduct of God's presence. See how we, see how we twist prayer a lot? The early church prayed when they had to make decisions, when they experienced persecution, when they needed strength to stand because the mission was hard. This book is about God's mission of making known his glory. And for us, prayer is one of those spiritual practices, talking to God in a way that shapes us for that mission. Prayer is not about getting God to change his will to ours, right? Think of how often we pray that way as if that is what's going on, as if that's the mechanism of prayer, as if that's possible. Like he's some mystical genie, right? It's the process of having our eyes and hearts opened to his will so that in the process we become people who help people find and follow Jesus. We just have to, we just have to buy into the belief that our joy is wrapped up in that. That's all. So, Prayer opens our eyes to see God's purposes. Second thing to notice here before we move on. Notice that Jesus is making an assumption in these three words. When you pray. He says, when you pray. Meaning prayer is something that apparently Jesus assumes faithful, fruitful followers of his do. Now we make that same assumption here at First Christian Church. That's why our fourth habit is pray and study the Bible. It's a habit And it's a habit for those who help people find and follow Jesus. And if it's not yet a habit for you, and you're not yet helping people find and follow Jesus, stick around a while, get involved enough, look under the hood, and you'll see a church that is very intentionally and subversively praying everywhere you go. We pray in worship. We pray in the care room. We pray in our Sunday morning serving huddles. We pray in next steps. We pray in our small groups, all various forms of them. We pray in our meetings throughout the week. Our kids pray when they worship on Wednesdays. Our kids pray when they meet in small groups in 14 different places all around this building. We pray as a church because we are constantly asking God to shape us corporately 
for his purposes. So take up habit number four, friends. It's a key part of how we produce Christians who are helping people find and follow Jesus. So, so three words, two things, basically summarized in saying that Jesus agrees with our vision of the seven habits. All right. I'm pretty sure that's right there. All right, let's pick up a fairly steady pace here, um, starting with uh, verse 5. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. He warns first and then tells us how to later. You must not be like the pretenders who pray for self. He says this, for they love, like they love. Instead of God, they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, meaning their prayer is an accessory to their own love for self, not for God, right? They love the show, Jesus says this, that they may be seen by others. To pervert the whole process, the spiritual discipline, into something that brings them glory by being seen by others. See how clearly that's the opposite of our definition of prayer? You can actually turn prayer into a mission for you. Jesus says, I hope you enjoy that because your reward is in that moment of being seen. Keep reading. That's exactly what he says next. Truly, meaning count on this, they have received their reward. But instead, instead, for my followers, those who pray to be shaped for my purposes and my glory, he says, keep reading, but when you pray, verse 6, go into your room and shut the door. Now, this means turn off the show, turn off the phone, shut the noise off that tempts you to turn everything into the make yourself look amazing show, right? Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, meaning he's unseen, just as you are unseen in that moment. And your father who sees in secret, who sees what you do that is unseen, he will reward you. He's got your back. You needn't pervert the world into a make you look amazing show. He keeps going, verse 7. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, as the non-Jews, as the nations outside of Israel do. For they think they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. In other words, Jesus is saying, the pagans repeat Empty phrases, sort of magical incantations, like they can rub the genie bottle and have their pagan small G God give them what they think they want and need. That's not what prayer is for. God knows what you need before you ask it, he says. Like before you even ask him. So Jesus is saying, the God you follow is not a dead pagan God or idol. But this is, this is a living God who made you, who created you, who loves you, who, who, who puts you on this earth for his purposes and for your joy in that. And he says, this living God hears you just fine. You needn't, you needn't badger. Now that's different than perseverance. Not this sermon. That's another sermon. He's saying you don't need to, to needlessly repeat yourself to God, right? Like he's got big ears. He can hear you just fine. He knows what you need. So, having covered how not to pray, Jesus gives some basic instruction on the mechanics of how to pray. 
Look at verse 9. He says, instead, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your, look at these yours here, your name, your kingdom come, verse 10, your will be done. Where? On earth, as it is in heaven. This is a prayer here to establish God's kingdom. It's a prayer to establish God's spiritual reign here on earth and to make his glory known here on earth. Just as, think about this, just as the fullness of his presence and power and glory are are made known in heaven. Pray, Jesus says, so that God's, here's the mission, perfect purpose and will will be accomplished on earth. That is the prayer of a disciple maker who is helping people find and follow Jesus. Lord, it is true that you are holy, altogether good and righteous, and you created all that is. Your name, your name deserves all glory and praise. And so, we, so I want, we want to orient our lives around that truth. So, your kingdom come, please. Your will for me, for us, be done, please. That's, that's, the, that's the first part of a prayer of a disciple maker that is about helping people find and follow Jesus. That's why we say that prayer is talking to God in a way that shapes us for mission. In fact, at FCC, we take it as, uh, as axiomatic. It's, it's fundamental that the meaning of our very existence and the joy of being alive, those are wrapped up in the purposes that God has for making his, known, his glory known through you. So if you're already a Christian, if you're already a Christian, but you're not yet in it to win it for the kingdom of God instead of the kingdom of you, uh, and you're not praying toward the goal of God's glory instead of yours, uh, then we hope you feel slightly uncomfortable when you, when you take your prayer life and you hold it up to what we're hearing Jesus say about the purpose of our prayer. And, and guess what? The transition from here to here, if you feel that tension, we're glad you're here. That's what this is about. All of us being conformed to the image of God and realizing that, that our actual joy is wrapped up in saying yes to his purposes. So jump down to Matthew 6, verse 16, where we transition to the section on fasting here. Similar kind of instruction as language is about prayer, shorter but similar. He says this, when you fast, meaning like prayer, it's something that he assumes... We're going with a similar focus here with our definition of fasting. When you fast, and fasting is this, we'll put it on screen, it's temporarily starving the flesh to focus on God in a way that shapes us, again, shapes us for his mission, just like prayer. Jesus basically assumes we will do what we need, fasting in this case, to develop a deep and abiding relationship with God. So we starve the flesh, we starve our bodies, our senses to focus on God in a way that shapes us 
for mission. So a warning about how not to do that. He says this, keep reading, how not to fast. When you fast, don't look gloomy like the, uh, the hypocrites, the pretenders, uh, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen uh, by others. Now, um, you, you know this person. Um, this is the person uh, who walks into the office and uh, it says the same thing they've said like 50 times about the same like sort of sacrifices they've made and, and how many times they've done this or, or done that. Um, and, and yes, you're amazing. We've heard it 50 times. We heard you the first 50 times, actually, that you've mentioned it. This is the person who uh, walks around uh, unable to do anything other than manipulate for self. <laughs> and, and, and that's like any other thing in our life. Spiritual disciplines are the same way. He says, people like that, truly I say to you when it comes to fasting, they've received their reward. Oh, I'm so gloomy and tired because I've been fasting again. Um, you know, that's, that's perverting the spiritual discipline for self instead of for the mission of God's glory. Um, and Jesus says, just like he does with prayer, he says this, truly... In other words, count on this. I say to you, they've received, they've received this, this reward already. Friends, public recognition is the full extent of reward for hypocritical practice of relationship with God. This goes beyond prayer and fasting. We idolize things all the time. We idolize people around us. We idolize uh, processes around us in ways that can be turned to self instead of for the glory of God. Public recognition is the full extent of reward for hypocritical practice of relationship with God. And I mean that ultimately. He says, but you rather, verse 17, when you fast, if you really want deep relationship with God, then anoint your head and wash your face. Take a shower. Act like normal. Uh, don't be the goober drawing attention to self. Why? Verse 18, that you're fasting in order that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, Jesus says here in Matthew 6 uh, that when, when you shut the door and wash your face, it's an indication um, that you really want and you actually need to depend on God for the power to meet the demands of life. A famous uh, preacher and writer named A.W. Tozer um, said that we have exactly as much of the presence of God in our lives as we want. That's good. We have exactly as much of the presence of of God in our lives as we want. My friends, fasting and, and prayer are spiritual practices that position our hearts to experience the power and the presence of God for the purposes of God. All spiritual practices are like that, but we're talking about fasting and prayer because we're going to ask you to join us in that in just a minute here. But, but fasting and prayer are practices that position our hearts to experience the power and the presence of God for the purposes of God. They align us with His will. They, they bring us into alignment with His mission for His well-deserved glory. And here's the thing. When the demands of life 
go beyond our personal power. The temptation is to pervert spiritual practices into exercises for self. So for you, friends, when life becomes too much and the task is too big, fast, pray for power from God. About, about whatever. I mean, we're going we're to apply this to the context of going multi-site and expanding as a church, of course, but it applies in all areas of our lives. Unanswered question, tensions you can't resolve, relationships that need help. Those, those triggers and places in your life where you feel the expectations going beyond your power to meet the demands, which, if you're breathing, is everywhere. Fasting and prayer are spiritual disciplines uh, that can align us to God's purposes and power. Friends, this, this is a message that is timely for me. Um, as I talked about um, earlier this week, um, this is written in real time, folks. I desperately need Jesus to speak to me today. Um, and just let me, because of two things. I am really tired. I'm like, been going for a long time for way too many hours per week tired. And I am really worried. Uh, I am tired and I am worried. I fear to my core. Countless times per day. 70 times 7 times per day. That this entire church expansion project that we've been working on for years is something that my heart has sort of subversively been perverting into a for Scott's glory kind of thing. Like, like, I fear that I'm manipulating people to just come along with my plan. And I have to trust that God's vision is calling us to expand where we are personally and privately in a way that fasting and prayer can help with. Corporately, individually. I mean, I, I'm not playing. This isn't showtime. I, <laughs> I fear at this moment under the lights with the camera on at two locations, four services, online, blah, blah, blah. I fear I am standing on the street corners right now <laughs> heaping up empty phrases. Because I know I need the ongoing feeling of the, filling of the Spirit of God. I know I need it to renew me so that I can fight off the enemy, so I can stay in the game for the thousandth time. When I feel, as you do, when those tensions and pressures happen, when I feel like quitting for the ten thousandth time, because the task is much larger than my personal capacity to meet the demands. The space is made up for a deep and abiding relationship with a perfect and holy God. Listen, friends, I don't, I don't know the details of your internal battles. Um, only the Father does. Uh, but I can promise you this. <laughs> Standing on the promises of the Christ who proved his love for us, your Father who sees in secret, he will reward you. He will reward you. So when the press of life, when the press of life exceeds your power to meet its demands, take that as your internal cue to fast and to pray and depend on God. I'm going to close uh, with this. <laughs> um, this is a lamp. 
A great illustration so far, huh? Can we go ahead and uh, turn off the lights and uh, I'll turn off these TVs. Don't worry, this will only take 10 minutes. We've got a lot of electronics around here. Uh, prayer and fasting, friends, are, are power for God's purposes. And they are closer at hand than we think. This lamp here has the potential to do something pretty amazing when you think about it. Uh, there is an invisible power here that can be accessed and very easily become visible. And it's closer at hand than we think. All that's required for this to work is to turn it on. The only thing actually, literally at this very moment, the only thing keeping it from being visible is a tiny little switch inside this mechanism that is just a couple millimeters between metal contact points. In your daily walk with God, you have exactly the amount of the presence of God that you want. So in the tension in the in-between, fill it with dependency on a relationship with God. Prayer and fasting and dependence upon the power of God apparently it takes two clicks. <laughs> uh, prayer and fasting uh, and dependence upon the power of God are fundamental to our work individually as believers, corporately as a body of believers. We've got to make the connection with God as if this mission of helping people find and follow Jesus is going to happen only if God's power is in it and not ours. So this week, um, we want to ask you uh, to join us in a day of prayer and fasting. Um, Let's go ahead and turn on lights so we can see each other. We want to ask you to join us uh, this week in a day of prayer and fasting together, corporately. Um, It's an important moment in the history of this congregation. We've been around for a hundred years. And when we're about to do, uh, listen, looks radically different um, than those a hundred years ago. But I I promise, those a hundred years ago want us to continue to stand on their shoulders, faithfully proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. And we want to do that in a way that God has to show up to make happen. So for this whole prayer and fasting thing, um, we'd like for you to join us on a particular day this week, whatever one you choose. If for some reason it's not wise to go without food, um, then fast from something else. Uh, Your day-long fast could be from phones, social media, from coffee, God forbid. Uh, Maybe you should choose to refrain from talking for a day. Perhaps that would help some of your relationships. I don't know. Half the people write down, I'm going to talk none on Tuesday. Um, Whatever it is, choose something you regularly enjoy, something that sort of functionally uh, feeds you, uh, that fasting from would help direct you toward a greater enjoyment of the Lord. And we'd like for you to actually let us know in just a few minutes here uh, as we close the service on the connection card, on the response card, um, 
Just tell us what day you'll be praying and what you'll be fasting from. We don't really care what it is, what day, uh, or what you're fasting from. Uh, we'd like to sort of call together. We'd like to take those responses and kind of give you um, some, some report next week um, to see um, if we've covered the week, and, uh, which we probably can do with 500-ish people at two places. Um, we're not assigning one particular day because we want to cover the week, and uh, it's okay if you're fasting from, you know, whatever, Oreos or coffee or talking uh, or the phone. Um, so we'll give you a little report on that uh, next week. It'd be kind of cool just to see, um, to see what, what we've done together. Um, I want to close by answering this question real quick. Why, Why are we asking you um, to do this old, weird Christian practice of, of prayer and fasting. Uh, well, it, it's not that weird, and it is pretty old, uh, but it's something that, um, that we want to do because what we are doing here at First Christian Church, uh, let's be honest, it's a big vision. It's a big vision. We actually believe that God has blessed us to continue to establish gospel outposts in this county, in this community, uh, as many of those as God would bless us to plant in our county so that people can have a deep and abiding relationship with God for eternity. Here are the facts of the matter, friends. Of the 70,000 in Greene County, 61 plus percent self-report no meaningful connection to the local body, which means 43,000 people don't have corporate fellowship that helps them grow, that helps them serve, that gives them an indication from Scripture who they are and why they were created, which means they are in danger of not knowing the forever joy of relationship with Jesus. That's why we do what we do. And it's a big vision, but I would venture to say, venture to say, God's vision is way bigger than our vision. Which means there's a demand that exceeds our power to meet it. Right? It means we need to enlarge our hearts and minds to accommodate what God wants to do in the world. We are becoming a people as a church who continue with open hands to to just say, God, change us. So you will receive glory as we give ourselves to your mission. This whole thing at FCC, down to every nook and cranny of every group, every process, every person, this whole thing is designed to bring God the glory only he deserves. Let's pray and fast together to ensure that we are prepared uh, for what he wants to do in us and through us. Let's pray. Father, at the beginning, we, we admit to you again that uh, we have uh, fundamentally perverted the things of this world into opportunities for our glory. And we just uh, pray a simple prayer, Lord, that you would continue to make known to us the good news of your Son, Jesus, that we need twist um, this world into a project of self. We can depend on you, Lord, and give you glory and trust that you will, uh, in the process of giving ourselves over to your mission, trust that you will give us joy we can't possibly otherwise know. So, Father, give us the courage and strength uh, 
God, to depend on you, to trust greater faith in you, so that we would follow your Son, Jesus, to a cross where we die to ourselves and we are resurrected into a new creation and that your Spirit that makes us new would direct us and give us peace to sustain us for the work that you've given for us. It's in the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray.